Take two. <laughs> if you're watching on the live stream, this is how we do a retake. <laughs> Welcome. I'm going to try this again. It's great to see all of you on this Lord's Day morning. My name is Jeff Birch. I'm the senior pastor here at Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. And if you're watching on the live stream, we want to offer a warm welcome to you. And if you're visiting with us here in person, we want to offer a warm welcome to you as well. We are thrilled, whether you are in person or online, that you have chosen to worship with us this morning, that we anticipate a wonderful day of meeting with the Lord and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. I want to make several announcements of some different things going on in the life of the church, and so if you have bulletins, you can uh, pull them out, and I'm just going to highlight a couple things. This won't be exhaustive, but just a few things to uh, highlight. One, if you're visiting with us today, I want to call your attention to basically the display table in the narthex. Please help yourself to one of the goodie bags. They have wonderful things, some information about the church. We would love for you to have that, so help yourself to that. Next Sunday, we are privileged to have Dr. Brian Chapel with us as our special guest. He will be preaching, uh, and the members of the Central Georgia Presbytery will be coming in for, excuse me, for my installation. Here's the schedule for the morning. We will have a 9 o'clock service, and so you can come in person and worship and hear Dr. Chapel at 9 o'clock. And then 11 o'clock, Dr. Chapel will preach again. That will be when the installation takes place. And so that will, and it's the 11 o'clock service that will be live streamed. The following Sunday, May the 30th, is Marion and Ginger Clark's last Sunday. Marion will be preaching that Lord's Day. And then we have a very, very special reception and food and drinks and goodies will be provided immediately after the service. So please Mark your calendars, mark your dates for that for Sunday morning, and that will be our regular 10.30 service. And I want to call your attention to one other thing, if I may. And I have a prop for this. See what this is? See the baby bottle? We are blessed to come alongside Caring Solutions of Central Georgia and support them as a local mission. And so what you have to do is very, very simple. After the service, help yourself to one of the baby bottles. It's empty. That's on the table out in the narthex. Fill it up with any loose change, any change you have. And before Sunday, or the deadline is Sunday, June the 20th, okay? Bring it back full, and the proceeds go to help 
the uh, caring solutions of central Georgia. So we just wanted to highlight that as well. So those are some of the things going on in the life of the church. And so now, as Amy plays and Lynn plays, and we focus our hearts on worshiping the Lord this morning. Truly, the Lord is great, and we are called this morning into his very presence, a taste of heaven itself, to worship him in spirit and in truth. Our call to worship this morning is from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. 
For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Lord, we are here to shout and sing your praises. We are here to exalt your holy name. And we invite you and exalt you to join with us a taste of heaven itself that you would enable us to worship you, that you would enable us to give thanks to you, to call upon your name, to make known to all the world your glorious deeds. And so now we invite you into this house. We invite you into our midst. May you be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing our opening hymn of praise, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
seated. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for his children. Friends, printed in your bulletin is a confession of faith that we will recite together. It's adapted from the Westminster Confession of Faith. On the topic, it ties in with the sermon that we'll be looking at this morning on the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, family, what is it that we believe? God's chosen ones are redeemed by Christ and are effectually called to faith in Christ by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives them life and renews them. He enables them to answer the call to come to Christ and embrace the grace offered in the gospel. As the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit assures them of belonging to God. The Holy Spirit sanctifies God's people. He convicts of sin and leads to repentance. He gives them ability to do good work to will and to do for God's good pleasure. By his continuing presence, the Holy Spirit enables them to persevere in the faith until the time of their glorification. Let us stand and continue to sing. to so many of the classic hymns. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Why do we want our tongues loosened? To employ for what? To praise and worship and adore. And given the access that we have through the blood of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, to pray to God our Father, to pray to God 
to the triune God who loves us. So let's together in unison pray the Lord that our pray the prayer that our Savior taught us to pray, and then I will lead us in a pastoral prayer. So let's pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father, we come before you with praises. We come before you thanking you that you are our Father, that you nurture us and guide us. Provide for us, protect us, that we are your treasured possession, that we are your chosen ones, holy and dearly beloved. And we ask, Father, that you would indeed help us by your Spirit to hallow your name, to set your name apart, your name above all names, that we would worship you and honor you and seek your glory. And Father, our heart longs for, prays for, aches for the coming of the fullness of the consummation of your kingdom. We thank you that in in Christ you have inaugurated your rule and reign, that Jesus is at the right hand of you right now, ruling and reigning. But we do pray, thy kingdom come when all hurts and all pains, as Jesus himself put it, when there will be no more mourning or crying or death or pain will exist. The old order of things will be gone forever. You will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We long for that day. We wait for that day. And we pray, Father, for those that need tears wiped away now, that Lord, we as a body would come alongside wiping tears away, asking you to be close to those who are hurting, asking that you would help those who are facing uncertain times, be they physical, be they spiritual, be they relational, be they emotional. And Lord, our desire is for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we be your instruments, your agents of doing that will here in Greene County and in Putnam County and in the surrounding areas. We pray for this area to look more and more like the city of God and less and less like the city of man. We ask, Father, that we would be committed to doing your will, even when it's uncomfortable, even when we may not like it or it may not feel good to us. And we are reminded that we are wholly dependent upon you. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Physical, spiritual, in every way, we are wholly dependent upon you. And we thank you for the temporal blessings that you give us. And Lord, we are are reminded that we are always a people in need of forgiveness. We don't have our acts together. 
We don't come in here. May self-righteousness be so far from us. May we be needy and broken sinners saying, Father, forgive us, and receive the promise that you offer us in the gospel that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our sins from us. As we stated in the call to worship and read in the call to worship from Isaiah, although you were angry with us, your anger has turned away because Jesus absorbed it all. And Lord, as forgiveness in a way really seeps into our being, may we be a people who forgive. May we be a people of grace, a people who are constantly offering grace to others. So may we truly forgive our debtors. And Lord, we do pray for holiness of life. We are reminded that the Spirit is called Holy Spirit, and He sanctifies us. So we depend upon You and ask, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we proclaim and we acknowledge, for Thine alone is the kingdom, Thine alone is the power, and Thine alone is the glory forever and ever. And we offer this prayer to the glory and in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for giving us your word. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher this morning, that you would reveal to us what you would have us to know. And your word isn't simply for knowing, as James reminded us, it is for doing. So we pray that we would be, that we'd respond by being doers of the word, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So Father, I, as I pray, not only pray for myself, but I pray for all of us, that we would come under the authority of your word this morning, that your word would speak to us, that in a very real sense, I would decrease, that Jesus would increase. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The text upon which our teaching is based this morning comes from Luke's second volume. You know, his first volume was the Gospel of Luke, where he began to explain and to teach and to share all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now he's kind of doing, here's volume two, and volume two is the Acts. And we are looking this morning at the first chapter of the Acts, chapter one, verses one through 11, as we kind of explore uh, the last aspect of our vision here at Lake Oconee. You know, we talk about being equipped, being nurtured. We talk about the fact that we want to be mobilized for the advancing, the building of God's kingdom. And in the simple way of putting that, that means loving the community. That means we are more interested in building a great community out there than even having a great church ourselves. And we want to look at it from this perspective, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we want to look at it from Acts chapter 1 this morning. So friends, hear the word of the Lord. Luke writes in the first book, O Theophilus. Theophilus, by the way, is the man he's writing to. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, the implication of that is now he's going to be writing about all that Jesus continues to do and to teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice the disciples had a certain set of expectations. But Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
Friends, this is the word of the Lord given by the triune God of love because he loves us. I have to admit, I love the very end of that verse when the two men, most think that they were angels, stand in there. What are the disciples doing? What are the apostles doing? They're gazing into heaven. Wow, what just happened? And in a sense, and I know the text doesn't say this exactly, this is not an exact quote, but in a sense, here's what I picture the angels basically wanting to say to the disciples. Um, Guys, did you just hear what he said about the power of the Holy Spirit? And what the Holy Spirit was formed, you will receive power. By the way, that's a promise, and we're going to look at that promise this morning. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and there's a second you will, which means a second promise, you will be my witnesses. Did you catch that? You were not going to be weak, timid, fearful, afraid of rejection, afraid of failure people. You were going to be powerful people. Because the, not in and of yourself, but because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. That is a promise. And do you think Jesus ever lies? I mean, think about this. He doesn't lie, right? So you will receive power. Do you look at yourself that way? Do you realize if you're a Christian, look at the mirror and you're looking at a powerful person because the Holy Spirit is upon you. But he's upon you for a purpose. You will receive power and you will be... And you may not like this part. But again, it's a promise. You will be my witnesses. The power is for what? It is for sharing, it is to be, oh, for one of those thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. And so we want to look at the fact that God has given us the good news of Jesus Christ in order to be a people, in order to be a community, in order to be a church for himself. We belong to him who will be used by him of implementing his mission, of advancing his kingdom in the world. And the strategy for we looked at it, so this is, I read the whole text, verses 1 through 11, but the strategy for it is given in verse 8. And so my focus this morning is going to be on verse 8. That's where I want us to kind of uh, camp, if you would, this morning. You will be received power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's why I think, even though it doesn't say it, I think I'm being textually pretty true. When they're basically gazing into heaven, the two men are kind of like, did you not just hear what he said about you will be my witnesses? Would you get busy? <laughs> Quit ga- being heaven gazers and get busy being witnesses. So I want you to examine yourself here this morning as we go through this text, as we look at verse 8, and kind of say, am I more a heaven gazer or am I getting busy doing the work of God? Am I one who's just kind of gazing at heaven somehow, maybe absorbing great information, all sorts of good things and whatnot, or am I devoted to, and even if I can't physically get out there, I am praying for the witness of the church in the community. I'm a prayerful person praying because that's one way to fulfill this promise. You will be my witnesses. doesn't mean you have to always be the direct one speaking to the person. You might be the one praying and saying, send down power upon others as they are directly speaking. And guess what? You are still Christ's witness empowered by 
the Spirit doing that. So friends, Lake Oconee Church, we're not heaven gazers, right? We're witnesses. Now, before I give you the outline and go through this text, I want to ask a question. We have this promise, the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by him. We're empowered by him. What do you think hinders us? Why don't we witness as we know we should? Why don't we do that? I want to propose this. Here's what I think happens. I think, now you may not like this, but I think we're afraid. I think we're afraid of failure. I think we may even be more afraid of success. I think fear of failure and fear, I think fear holds us back a whole lot more than we care to admit. And I think, I want to challenge us to an application right at the outset. We need to confront our fears and rid ourselves of our fears, especially in this area. Let me give an illustration. Y'all came through for me this week. This was fabulous. Marion wouldn't give it up for me in terms of who was the great New York Yankee that lived in this area. I mean, I was, I was on him. I was all over him. You gotta tell me. I'm dying to know. I can't prepare a sermon if I don't know this answer. So I finally gave up on Marion giving me that answer and I said, I have an idea. Church email. I'm going to dive into the deep water here. I'm not as creative as Marion, but I'm going to send out a church email, and I'm going to do this. So I did that. I had five responses so quickly. You all came through for me, and you told me Mickey Mantle was the one who lived in Lake... The Mick, my hero. And I thought, wow, this is God's providence. (laughs) Because not only did the Mick live here in Greensboro, but he's from Oklahoma. And Evie and I and Joel spent seven great years in Oklahoma. And, you know, we used to go to the Bricktown Ballpark, and where was it on? Mickey Mantle Drive. And I thought, this is fabulous. Now, how does Mickey Mantle tie into the sermon? You thought I'm just telling a fun story. No, no, no. He ties into the story. Listen to this quote from Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle says, During my 18 years, I came to bat almost 10,000 times. I struck out about 1,700 times and walked maybe 1,800 times. And he says, you figure a ball player will average about 500 bats a season. That means I played seven years without ever putting a ball in play. Now, some can have a perspective that seven years and you don't even have a, what a failure that guy is. Oh, my goodness. Do you think Mickey Mantle was a failure at what he did? Friends, I'm serious. We have to confront and get rid of the fears in our life. You will receive power. Jesus' truth is on the line with that promise. If you're fearful, you're calling Jesus a liar. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. A non-witnessing church, do you know what it's called? A club. It's not a church. Because a church, by definition, is a witnessing church. Because the text tells us that. 
That's why you may or may not like the word missional. Some people like it, some people don't. Whatever you think of the word, the church by its very identity is missional. You can't escape it. Jesus said so. So how do we do it? We want to look this morning at Jesus preparing them for mission, and we want to do it under three headings. Mission has three different ways of of equipping us. We want to look at the fact that mission has a community basis, that mission has a spirit empowerment. None of what I'm telling, I may be challenging you this morning, none of this is in your own strength. You all ought to take a deep breath. This is all up to the Holy Spirit. And mission has a movement mindset. Okay? Community basis, spirit empowerment, and movement mindset. Let's take a look at this. Okay? Dive in with me at verse 8. When Jesus says you will receive power, here's your Greek lesson for the morning, and I don't give many Greek lessons, okay? But here's your Greek lesson. That you, it is a second person plural. Do you know what that means? That says you, church, you, people of God, will be given power. And you, second person plural, will be my witnesses. The disciples, as the early Christian community, receive power from witness. That means we don't go it alone. We are doing it together as a church, as a people. Some of us it's going. Some of us it's sending. Some of us it's praying. Some of us it's hospitality. Some of us it's relational. We all use our gifts as kingdom powers in different ways to corporately, as a church, be a witness as one seminary professor I had liked to say it, to make the invisible kingdom visible. That when the community looks at Lake Oconee Church, they get a taste. They have an idea. This is what the reign of God looks like a little bit. This is what the invisible reign of God feels like and smells like and tastes like. And I can touch it. This is what it looks like a little bit. Truth and love, grace and truth, justice and all these things, beauty and order coming together. Jesus' program, you need to hear this, is for the church. Jesus' program, his agenda, he's building a Christian community. That is his interest, to recreate a new society, a city set on a hill, an alternative community to reflect and be an agent of his kingdom. There's a writer, his name's George Hunsberger, who wrote a book called Missional Church, and he speaks of the church, here's his quote, representing the reign or kingdom of God. He says, the church represents the divine reign as a sign and a foretaste. See, what does a sign do? Hopefully you're driving down the road and you see stop. Now the sign's not going to make you stop, is it? You have to actually physically stop your car. But it's a sign of it. The church is a sign of the kingdom of God. We're pointing to it. We point away from ourselves and to the kingdom of God. And it's a foretaste. Do you know what a foretaste means? People get an experience of it. See, I mean, I know we like foretastes. You know what a foretaste is called when you eat something? It's called an appetizer. Don't we love appetizers? I love going to a restaurant And the server comes along and he says, do you want to hear the specials? And I'm like, no, let's start with the appetizers. We'll get to the specials. You know, we pray thy kingdom come, I'm praying thy specials come. But I'm kind of going, let's do the foretaste first. 
We offer a for, we offer an appetizer of the kingdom. And do you know what appetizers do sometimes? They make you a little bit more hungry. They whet your appetite for what's coming. Part of our witness is whetting the appetite of the community out there for what love and justice and beauty and order and goodness and truth look like. But more than being a sign and a foretaste, the church is also an agent and an instrument. See, we represent to the world and we actually are moving it forward. We're actually doing something in the power of the Holy Spirit. Giving the world a sense of the character and the claims and the demands and the gifts of the kingdom of God. Now, it's very important for us to understand this for a couple of different reasons. A couple of different implications for this. First, this, goes, this community basis goes completely counter to our natural individualistic tendency. See, our nature is to do it ourselves, and that is the culture and the air we, we breathe. Let me... I don't need help. I don't have to be vulnerable. I don't need anybody. I'll do it myself. I'm not going to show weakness. I'm not going to ask for help. That's the air we breathe, to be private, strong, invulnerable, go it alone, lone rangers. See, what's going on here, and there's another author, his name's Craig Van Gelder, and he writes a primary goal... This started, he's talking about, started back in the Enlightenment era. And he says, a primary goal of the Enlightenment was to formulate a new basis for individual identity as the key to increasing personal freedom. In other words, it signaled a very important shift for how humans would experience freedom, wholeness, identity, and fundamentally be defined. Instead of it being the village or the family or the group, whatever, beginning with the... Enlightenment, it was all about the individual. Your happiness, your worth, your identity, everything was in yourself. You know what the Bible is doing? You know what the book of Acts is doing? It's flipping it on its head. You will receive power. It's all about a community basis. The church is to witness to the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ. We are called to exemplify the gospel by making it visible in how we relate. Our authenticity, our honesty, our vulnerability. We are making visible the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is the King. The world can't see that. The world doesn't see that. How does the world see it? Through us. And primarily through how we relate. How we relate to one another and to the world. Friends, that's the first point. The community basis. Okay? Now the second point. Spirit empowerment. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Spirit brings power. You realize the Spirit makes you a dangerous person in the world? I mean, we are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listen to how... The Apostle Paul, he had a protege. You know who Paul's protege was? A man by the name of Timothy. And basically, Paul wrote to Timothy at the end of his life when he was preparing to go home with the Lord. And Timothy was basically, you know what he was doing? He was basically handing off the gospel baton to Timothy. 
And Timothy was a young man, a little bit timid, a little bit shy, not 100% confident. And so Paul is building him up. Paul is building him up. And he gives this in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. And this is a promise I want you to hold on to. This is one of those things. Remember my first week preaching, I said some things I'm going to tell you. I want you to turn in in your Bible here, highlight this, mark it in yellow, red, pink, do whatever you have to do to put this in your memory. Paul says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. If you're a Christian, that's what you have. Because if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells you. You have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not. Paul's describing his personality, and he's saying the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of timidity. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power and is a spirit of love and is a spirit of self-control. So, you know, if you don't see love, you're not seeing the Spirit. If you don't see power, you're not seeing the Spirit. And what is the power used for. It propels us outward in witness. And witness to what? And for what? The renewal of the whole world. There's this incredible passage in Revelation 21. I alluded to it in my prayer. John gets this glimpse of basically the end of history, how it all is going to end. You ever read a book, you know? I cheat when I read books. Okay, look at the last. How's this thing going to end? Oh, yeah, okay, here's where we're going. It's good to cheat reading the Bible. It's kind of good to know where this thing's going to end up called life. I would encourage you to cheat and look at the end of the book often. And so at the end of the book, chapter 21, John writes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Just stop there. A whole new world that's physical as well as spiritual. I'm guessing I'll be 6'2 in the new world. Instead of only hitting the golf ball 150 yards, I'm 280 down the middle. I'll be dunking the basketball. But then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no more sea. And you know what that means? It doesn't mean there wasn't water. Sea in the mindset of the ancient world represented chaos, turmoil, danger. In God's new world, there'll be no more confusion, no more chaos, no more... Turmoil, turmoil. for the first order of things had passed away. And he talks about, I will wipe away every tear. And all of these things are future tense. They will happen in the future. I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning, crying, death, or pain. We know there's still those things in this life. We lament them. We feel them. It's why we pray, thy kingdom come. And then right in the middle, and God does nothing by accident. The tense changes, and Jesus says, I am, present tense, making all things new. That means I am progressively, we certainly don't see the end of it, the consummation of it. I am, and guess how he's doing it? He's doing it through the Holy Spirit, empowering his church for witness to make all things new. The renewal of the whole world. Tim Keller defines this. He says, the kingdom of God is the renewal of the whole world through the entrance of supernatural forces. 
The supernatural forces are the Word, the Spirit, and the Church. Why? Because the Church is where the Word and the Spirit dwell. The Word and the Spirit take up their inhabitation in the life of the Church. So the Holy Spirit not only empowers, but gifts his church to renew the world and establish the kingdom. Our spiritual gifts are kingdom powers, which bring healing, not complete healing. That's why we're praying thy kingdom come, but bring healing to people as they bring people under the kingship of Christ. Jesus is making all things new now. I want to stop and try to make this as practical as we can. What are some of the implications of this? First and foremost, we must be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit. We must be good listeners to the Holy Spirit. We don't move by our will. We don't move by our agenda. The church better not move by how Jeff Birch thinks. You see that? You better rebuke that out of me real quick. We need to move as the Holy Spirit leads and causes us to move. One of my heroes in the faith was a man by the name of Jack Miller. Jack Miller was the founder of what was called World Harvest Mission. It's known as Surge today. And a man, a PCA pastor by the name of Mike Graham, recently wrote a biography of Jack's life. And he quotes this, Mike quotes this quote of Jack, and he says, Jesus says that the Father's best gift, listen to this, the Father's best gift, what we need for every part of life, is the Holy Spirit. Now, there's application right there. If you were to ask the Heavenly Father, the generous one, the benevolent one, the merciful one, the good one, to give give me the best, open the floodgates, give me the best you've got, the best gift, I wonder how many of us would be thinking that's the Holy Spirit. Think maybe we need some renewal of our mind a little bit? The Father's best gift is the Holy Spirit. Jack writes, the first thing we need is the Holy Spirit, the last thing we need is the Holy Spirit, and what we need in the middle is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to speak to the deacons and the elders and the women's ministry and all our ministry teams. You know what I want us praying for more and more? The Holy Spirit. We need to be a church that is listening to the Holy Spirit. We don't move by our will, agenda, and program. We move as led by the Holy Spirit. Lastly, mission needs a mission has a community basis, a spirit empowerment, and a movement mindset. Now, what do I mean by that? Look at the end of verse eight. Siri is answering me right now. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with technology this morning. First the microphone, now Siri. And I only have my phone up here so I can see on the clock because I get excited preaching. Have you noticed that? I could go to 1 o'clock and some of you might want lunch. So one of you tech-savvy people have to tell me how to turn Siri off for next week. I got the notifications right. We're not letting Siri or Satan win. Look at the rest of verse 8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The gospel is a living power. It is a living power. It constantly moves and infiltrates our hearts, 
our minds, everything it touches. You cannot stay neutral towards the gospel. You want to know why? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it, the gospel, is the power of God. Notice the language carefully there. It doesn't say describes the power of God. It is not about the power. Those would be incredible things in and of itself, but it says the gospel is the power of God. And that word power is the Greek word dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamite. The gospel is the dynamite of God. I don't think it was by accident that my phone went off just a second ago. I'm preaching the gospel. It is the power of God. The enemy doesn't want the power of God to be unleashed in this community. The enemy does not want the power of God to be unleashed in our lives. But it will be. Because you can't hold God back. Let me tell you something. The church is God's solution for the world. Nothing else is. No program, no government, no agenda. The church is God's power center from which he is working. And that means we have to have a movement mindset because the gospel is a living power. And look where it's going. In the early church, it's going to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was kind of their hub. It was there. So think of that. Jerusalem is our Greensboro, our Eatonton, our Greene County. Our, that's our Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria, the gospel's moving as a living power. It's moving out. Judea and Samaria, we could say that's the state of Georgia. That's the United States, maybe. And then to the ends of the earth. That's God's strategy. That's God's program. The kingdom of heaven is a living organism. The gospel is a living power. And see, again, implications and applications from this. First thing we learn from this is that if we're going to have this kind of movement mindset, we ought always ought to be promoting and encouraging members to begin and launch and participate in new ministries. And not be afraid of change. If this is up to the Holy Spirit, guess what? Some ministries are going to go, some aren't going to go. They're not going to last forever. Change is okay. It's okay. We have to take a deep breath and not be so afraid of change. It's an okay thing. We have to have the freedom to launch new ministries, start new things. We want to be a church that is nurturing and partnering with and encouraging all of us to participate in all kinds of things. And let me give a second implication or application of that. Without micromanaging, yes, having accountability, yes, having systems, yes, having structures, but we need to, if, if this is the Spirit's agenda, the Spirit is sovereignly gifting people, equipping people, we need to give the freedom for people to use their, what did I call spiritual gifts earlier? Kingdom powers for the movement of the kingdom outside. And lastly, we need to have a mindset of thinking on a larger kingdom scale. The movement described in verse 8 is a global mindset. Think about it. Ends of the earth. They didn't limit God. The gospel was a living power going out to the ends of the earth. We must think like this, not so much for Lake Oconee to be a great church, as for 
Greene and Putnam counties, the Lake Country to be a great community, and for our obedience to and desire to be transformed by the gospel. This is big, it can be humbling, and it's adventurous. Let's join in the adventure. What a big God we worship. Let's pray. Father, I marvel and I'm amazed at the gospel. And I thank you that the gospel is a living power. May we not be ashamed of the gospel in any area of our life. May we recognize that it is your very power to be unleashed in the world. We pray that we will see you work. We, I, I, as relatively new here, look forward to seeing how you're going to work in and amongst us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Or shine, Jesus, shine.
pray that the words of that song fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire. May that be our prayer as we leave this place and go out into the mission field, because that's where we're going, into the mission field this morning, and go with the blessing of God. May the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now, this week, and forevermore. Amen.